This is an AMI podcast. On this episode of Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther, Miss Lily is going to introduce us to an island of snakes. We're going to spend a day aboard a salmon fishing charter pursuing salmon on Lake Ontario, and I'll be sharing my foolproof strategies for preventing seasickness. After that, I'm going to reflect a little bit on the bounty of the Great Lakes. Welcome aboard. Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Welcome to Snake Paradise. Oh, oh. Maine Duck Island. Ah, the ducks. (laughs) There is a series of small islands on the eastern side of Lake Ontario that form the western end of the Thousand Island National Park. Hmm. Two of these islands, Maine Duck and Yorkshire, are known collectively as the ducks. They have a fascinating history and ecology and are considered by many as the Galapagos of the North. Cool. If you were to guess what species of wildlife is most widespread on Maine Duck Island, what would you say? I would say nothing because it's just rock out in the middle of the end of Lake Ontario. And when the waves whip down from the west and the wind's blowing out of the west, the waves can get 30 and 40 feet tall there. So, yeah, those those islands can get swept pretty well by, by waves. Uh, you know, that's my knowledge of it. I've never actually set foot on those islands. I do know someone that got... Uh, stuck there in a storm and a couple anglers and they had to sleep in a little shed there on some steel bunks with no mattresses okay well thanks for the logical response but any other human in the world would have said ducks right (laughs) no you couldn't have said that okay Okay, ducks main duck island yeah Yeah. well no it's not the true rulers of the island are snakes main (laughs) duck island is farmed for its snakes in fact snakes will likely be the first to greet you as you approach the island uh one of the most prominent snakes on main duck island is the northern water snake Northern water snakes are the largest snakes in Prince Edward County. We go there. Ooh. Yeah. Growing up to 140.5 centimeters long. That's a long snake, eh? Yeah. What makes the Maine Duck Northern water snake unique? Well, they tend to be much more girthy than your average mainland snake. Thick as your arm. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Mariner. Uh, You can identify northern water snakes by the pattern of dark saddle like crossbands that run the rest of their bodies. Mm -hmm. As northern water snakes enter adulthood, their coloring darkens and their most distinctive patterns may be obscured, leading to an evenly dark brown or black appearance. Hey, that was a water snake we encountered last summer, right? When we went to that little swimming hole below the uh, below the waterfalls with your friend. Oh my god! I was just sliding. I was sliding into the pool. The first one. I was just sliding down the rock, and then I displaced a, a, a water snake. It, it was unbathing on the rock, and I jumped into the pool and swam away. Yeah. I didn't think anyone was going to go swimming, but I, I went in. And we all did after that. That was the cottage <laughs> we went to when I did that interview in the train bathroom. Remember? Uh, yes, yes. The yeah. island retreat. We went up there to get you. I'll fetch you from the island yeah from the evil snakes (laughs) the eastern garter snake is also quite common on main duck island in fact environmental records indicate that eastern garter snake populations are much more robust than ever before your average eastern garter snake comes in a variety of colors and patterns but their most common markings are dark green or black bodies and three yellow stripes along the back and sides you can't mistake a garter snake for anything else no you can't yeah 
eastern garter snakes can also be recognized by their yellowish chins and undersides. I'll tell you this. When I was really little, we used to catch baby garter snakes. Yeah. They were really, really cute. But mm -hmm. one time we caught a real big male garter snake. He was really unhappy that we were holding him. And he peed on us. Oh, it's very smelly. Yeah, and then he bit us. Yes, <laughs> ouch. Both they, of they, us. You, yeah, you can, they can break your skin, for sure. They he don't did. have teeth, but they can break your skin. He did break our skin, but yeah. he wasn't, like, it wasn't that bad. No. These snakes are usually about 46 to 66 centimeters in length, although they have grown to over a meter long in some cases. Hmm. Yeah. While other snakes, such as milk snakes and rat snakes, can also be found on Maine Duck Island... Northern water snakes are doubtless the most common species there. On Maine Duck Island, snakes have very few natural predators. Owl, hawks, falcons, herons, and other large bird prey on snakes. But these hunters do not often frequent these isolated Lake Ontario islands. Because there's no trees for them to perch on. No, why would they go there? Yeah. Island ecosystems are immensely different from ecosystems on the mainland. Because many islands are far removed from the mainland, immigration of both predators and competitors is uncommon. The northern water snakes that live on the island tend to be much larger and much darker than those that live on the mainland. You'll find these snakes sunbathing on logs and branches or skimming across the water. Wow. You can also hear them slithering on the ground before you see them. You may even find snake dens near the abandoned buildings and stone ruins on the island. Time for the bucket list. Good morning, Gene. It's uh, Lawrence. How are you? We're, we're here. I am going to get you. I'm just going to stand outside the car with my uh, white cane. You'll see me. Okay, I'll be there in a minute, Lawrence. Sounds good, buddy. Out here standing on Pier 6 at the marina, and it's... 5 a.m. The sun's not rising for another 39 minutes. All the salmon anglers are getting their boats ready to go out. It's off and it's uh, not very wide at all. Okay. And this is our boat. Lawrence, you have a bag? Yeah, right here. You might as well take that too. Yeah. Hang on. Hang on. Okay, Mike, you go ahead. What did it hang on to this far here? This far there, and then watch from that. I know there's a preview behind that. There's gonna be a seat that you can put your hand on. Okay. Here's your step. This one right here. Okay. Two yeah. more. Oh, okay. That's the floor of the boat right now. Okay. To orient you in the boat. That's the cabin, yeah. Yeah, okay. And Debbie sits up there. Which you're Debbie, hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Lawrence. How are you this morning? Doing well, thanks. Doing good. well, yeah. Left leg, you can feel the cooler. Yeah. You're gonna be sitting right right here the cooler we keep our fish and our ice in with your cane move it forward a yeah. little bit uh -huh. that's the engine compartment and does it go right across or you can walk in on each you side you can walk in on each side yeah okay and when you're going to be uh, reeling in fish yeah you're going to be that, leaning against it sort yeah, of thing that's the fighting stance yes <laughs> okay all right i can down do that right. we're going to fish with four rods today yeah we're going to fish with the two downriggers in the back yeah and we're going to fish with a dipsy diver on each side okay of the boat so Okay. We'll be fishing close to the boat with the riggers yeah. and away to the right and away to the left. With the dipsies. With the dipsies. But what we're going to do, Lawrence, is we're going to motor out not too, too far. Yeah. And uh, this morning we're going to start fishing in the shallowy area of 50 to 70 feet deep. Right. And uh, cruise around in there, try to catch a big one. 
uh, right at the beginning. Yeah. As the sun comes up more and more and the day gets brighter and brighter, we're going to move off a little bit to maybe up to even 130 feet deep. It's like two, three kilometers out. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll be fishing a little bit west and, and east, mostly west and straight out from the port. So are you captain today? Jen? I am. I am the captain. That's another fishing boat going out there. Get it wet sport fishing. Yeah, I love the Dave. So those get it wets, yeah. they have 10 boats in their fleet. Wow. Okay, we've got a couple coming here. Bit of a traffic uh, jam in the morning. So what's the weather for today? Um, winds increasing slightly around lunchtime. That's all they say, but clear. Always that noon wind, eh? Yeah, sometimes first thing in the morning, and then you know there's nowhere to go but the down. <laughs> <laughs> lines are on some of these boats. These are big, big chargers. Some of them will put out 11 lines at a time. You know what, they've got four people on, they can put out 10 lines. Everyone's got a license. Okay. Nice We're off. We're out in the harbor. Yep. My name is Jean Robitaille. I'm 68 years old and I really like salmon fishing on Lake Ontario. And you've been a charter boat captain out here on Lake Ontario for 15 years now, is that right? Yeah, about that, yeah. So how has it changed? What was it like when you started? Because you've been salmon fishing for a lot longer than that, but what was it like and, and how has it changed? In the last 15 years, we find that there has been less bait um, in Lake Ontario. Less, there's been an equilibrium that has been reached uh, between the amount of salmon and the amount of bait, specifically alewives. The population of alewives has stopped growing, has declined a little bit over the years for due to different factors, and uh, hence there's a little bit less salmon we find now. Is that affected the business? Not so much because people really like the experience of coming out fishing on Lake Ontario, so that's a big part of it. And there's still beautiful fish to catch and nice, wonderful catches to have all the time. Lawrence, maybe 15, 20, 30 years ago, catches of 20 fish per boat per day were common. Now it's a little bit less. You probably more in uh, 8 to 10, 12, 14 fish is more the norm these days. And that's still a good number of fish. I mean, these are big fish. Yes, they are. And it's a lot of fun. And there's not. it's not to say that you won't get catches of 20, 25 fish these days. You often do. And rainbow trout and coho and chinook salmon, that, those are the three species you're targeting? Yes, they are with the occasional brown trout thrown in there. This year, it seems to be that there are quite a few brown. We caught uh, two of them a few days ago, and I talked to some of my other, other guide buddies, and they're catching one or two per day themselves. You don't target the lake trout? Uh, no, we don't. Why is that? Uh, 
it's a different kind of fishing. If we wanted to fish for lake trout, we'd have to slow down our speed, fish near bottom, and maybe a little bit closer to shore also. Whereas right now, we're trolling at a fast speed and we're targeting suspended fish, where lake trout don't tend to suspend too, too much. They're more, they like their prey closer to the bottom. The glamour of catching these salmon and rainbow trout is uh, is pretty high. I mean, these are the these are the real champion fish from a recreational fishing perspective. Yes, they are. Chinook salmon is called. Uh, their nickname is king salmon because they grow so big, so fast, and they're so strong, and they fight so much, and they're so much fun to catch. You get people that are used to catching on the inland lakes. Uh, fun species like uh, bass, walleye that make excellent table fare along with pike and those kinds of fish. You come out here and you hook into a salmon. That fish feeling, that fish and hearing that that line peel. Yeah. You know how yeah. how fun is that? Oh, eh? yeah. yeah, it's a different it's a different uh, ball game altogether. For yes, sure, it these is. are powerful fish. They sure are. Where do you see this heading? Like, how important is this to the local people here and to the economy of the, of the local communities around here? Well, that's a good question, Lawrence. And I see it, even though it has stabilized a little bit, I don't see it slowing down at all. Uh, there are so many people that come from out of province, out of town, from everywhere. There's a lot of anglers and tourists that come from La Belle Province. These people come with their wallet full of credit cards and they take a motel room or two or three, an Airbnb. They'll go out and maybe at the LCBO for a bottle of wine. They'll go out to the restaurant. They'll go out to Metro or No Frills to buy groceries. They'll fill up with gas. They'll buy ice. They'll stop at the corner store for chips and chocolate bars and that kind of stuff. And this really is the main draw, the fishing. What else do people come to Lake Ontario for around here to do except for fishing? Well, there's a little bit of sailing, but we saw this morning ourselves, uh, I counted, what, 30-something boats yeah. that we could see on the horizon around us within two or three kilometers. And I would say that at least a half of them are uh, guided boat trips yeah. and the other half are friends and groups of family together for a fun day of fishing. Do you see any commercial fishing boats around uh, in, in your activity while you're out here? No, there's no commercial fishing on Lake Ontario that I know of presently. It really is uh, recreational fishing. It is recreation, recreation and a lot of fun. Debbie, introduce yourself. I'm Debbie Robitaille. <laughs> <laughs> retired bank manager? Yeah, retired bank manager and uh, part-time autopilot on a fishing boat. With your husband? Yes, with my husband, Jean. And you guys do this together all yes. summer? Uh, yes, we do. Part of the summer, because the fishing is actually more end of June to mid-August. Yeah. Yeah. And. What what makes you uh, what got you involved with this 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 charter boat fishing? My husband has been an avid fisher since the age of six, and uh, it, in retirement he was in my retirement because he's been retired longer than I have. It was uh, if I'm not fishing, I'm probably not going to see him for the summer. And I also enjoy fishing, so 
we we started doing it together where I've been piloting the boat for him. Yeah. Give him more time to spend with the his friends and his lures. Aww. But you're out here. You 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 love coming out here. You 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 reel in the odd fish yourself. You absolutely yes. I really enjoy the fishing as well. And the technology, the fish finder, the boat, the mechanics. Uh, That's driving. right. Looking 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 for fish all the time. That's what I spend my time doing. So what are you what are you looking at there on the fish finder? So we're in 79 feet of water, and starting down about 10 feet. All the way to the bottom of the lake is a huge bait ball of fish. Very highly concentrated in the first 30 feet and then like a long trail after that all the way down to the bottom. So they're very active. They've just risen up. Some of them are catching up. And there's a couple of nice big salmon feeding on the edges of it. Wow. So yeah. these fish are not starving. They're not. That could be part of our problem when we're trying to catch some today. We have a lot of competition with the Elwives. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But that's a huge bait ball. Massive. Yeah. Yes. That's, yes. That's bigger than a, two houses stacked on top of each other. It is. And I've been in 350 feet of water. The bait ball was so dense that my fish finder said, I am now in five feet of water. <laughs> So what kind of baits are you going to run this morning? The first thing we're going to use are glow spoons. Okay, any particular color? Uh, we're going to use a white one and one that is orange and black. So these, these actually glow. Now what about those UV colors? Are you into those? Yes, we are. But that's after the sun comes up. Yes, it is. John, how many boats are around us? We're counting 32 boats fishing in our area here this morning, and we would say that it would be maybe a spread of five kilometers long by one or two kilometers wide. And how far are we from shore? Right now we're about one and a half kilometers. We are in the 100-foot range. Don't we bring the other one? No. Yeah, they're just Yeah, I'm, I'm, Can I tighten the drag a little bit? Yeah, sure. Huh? Yes, you can. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right, I'm just lining on this one now. Coming in. Coming up. Okay. Oh. Okay. Not too tight. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't want to go. Yeah, I gave him a little slack there on the drag. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, wait, wait, wait. It's a little bit early for me. Okay. Here 
gun rig is going up. Yeah, I know. So I'm bringing it up. Oh, okay. But it's funny, like he really worked hard and then he swam towards the boat. Yes. I thought he was gone, but he really just came in. So what? what is it? What kind of fish is it? It's a salmon. It's a Chinook. It's a Chinook, eh? Yeah. Good size? It's about 10 or 12 pounds. 10 or 12? Oh no, it felt like 25. <laughs> oh my goodness, they didn't give you a good fight. What do you want to do with this? That, is that a good eater? It would be a good uh, smoker or a canner or a barbecue fish. Yeah, I, I, I normally, we just put them on a pan and then we wrap them in foil. Yeah, and you would have uh, like one a meal per side. Yeah, that's. I'd take that. Okay. I'd take I'm that. that, uh, that uh, bunker in there. I'm going to knock them out, put them in the cooler. Yeah. And then if you want to take a photo or something like that, okay. you can do that. Comes open. Yeah. John, you were just uh, cleaning that Chinook salmon. We kept the small one, the 10 pounder. Describe to me the color of the flesh. Well, it's orangey pink. And uh, the larger the fish, the softer the flesh is gonna be. So this morning we were talking about how nice some of the fish turns out in table fare. So the smaller fish are firmer the larger ones are softer in the flesh, and it's a nice orangey pink color. So that pink, does that, does that add flavor? Oh, I don't think so. It's just the color of those fish. Based on what they've been eating. Outdoor tips and tech. Six degrees on your left, 122 meters. The key to not getting seasick is to think I'm not going to get seasick. The minute you start thinking I'm going to get seasick, there's a pretty good chance that's exactly what's going to happen. If you know the boat's going to be moving around the next day, you know, a lot of wind, open water, big lake, take a couple grab all the night before, just before you go to bed. And then in the morning after a light breakfast, take a couple more. That way, you'll be certain that all that gravel's in your bloodstream doing what it's supposed to do. There's no point taking a handful of gravel, getting on the boat, and getting sick 15 minutes later. That gravel's done nothing. It's just sitting in your stomach. When you're on the boat, become one with the boat. Don't fight the boat. Don't compensate for the boat's movement with your muscles by countering the movement of the boat. Just become one with the boat. Move with the boat. Last tip, look to the horizon. Now this has a lot to do with how much you can see. For people with central vision, it's a lot easier because you can focus on the horizon. When you focus on the horizon, you don't notice the boat moving up and down. If you focus on the gunnel of the boat, looking down at the water, and you see that boat going up and down, and up and down, well, you're kind of screwed. If you have peripheral vision, it's a little more challenging. I've been living this one for quite a while, having lost my central vision very early in life. 
So if you have peripheral vision and no central vision, you really need to make a special effort not to look at the gunnel, not to look at the edge of the boat. Have to look at the horizon or just keep busy. I can guarantee you that if you follow these instructions and just tell yourself right from the start, I'm not gonna get sick, you'll be just fine. During our day on the water with Jean and Deb Robitaille, we had nine bites and landed seven salmon. We kept two. The big fish were let go because they're gonna be spawning that year. These fish get to be five years of age and then they swim up the river, spawn and die. Gotta let them complete that circle of life. You take out the middle-aged ones, nothing more than 10 pounds. Those are the good eaters and they're not gonna spawn for a couple more years anyway, so you're just removing a little bit of the competition. We could have kept five each and a lot of people want to do that. You know, they bring a cooler and a bunch of ice and they want to fill it up. They think I'm spending all this money on a charter. I'm going to make it worth my while. But how many salmon can you put in your freezer? How big is your freezer? And how much salmon do you want to eat? You could fill your freezer with it, but I can guarantee you that in six months, you'll be throwing most of that salmon out because it'll be freezer burnt. It's not easy to freeze salmon properly just with a home freezer. The ice will crystallize and destroy the flesh. You're better off eating the salmon while it's fresh. That's what we did. We brought the fish home. We each had a meal and a few days later we had another meal and then it was gone. And we celebrated that fish. We celebrated the fish and the people that made it all possible and the ecosystem that gave life and supported that fish. And by eating that fish, we connected ourselves to the lake, to the ecosystem to nature and how more powerful can you get than that eh like if you think about it when you're eating nature when you're eating the bounty of the wild you're making a commitment to safeguard that to look after it to give back i want to thank nazreen abdel majid and paula Denine. they're my technicians the manager of ami audio is andy frank This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.